Because there can be many curious people in the world, and we're not all the same. <laughs> So I was like, I want to say, what is this organization all about? So I, I went and checked you guys out and I saw that you got such a really good um, vibe going on. You got your second year festival. And I thought, well, let me reach out to them. In fact, we use the same hashtag for not curious. So I thought, hey, I've yeah. got to have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some confusion over the next few weeks, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, hopefully in a good, positive way, though. Yeah. So. I kind of thought, hey, let's just chat to you and uh, perhaps talk about your, your organization, what you've got going on, raise some awareness and, uh, you know, generally have a nice, comfortable conversation in a podcast. So I, I'm glad that you responded and you're up to do that. It's fantastic. Thank you. So I guess in many ways, um, do we really need an intro? I, I don't think so. I guess we're quite comfortable going with a bit of a flow here. So uh, perhaps you could introduce your, your name and what you do in your, your organization. I guess we'll all go from there. Yeah, so um, I'm Megan Shaw. Um, I work for a very small charity called Ignite, um, and we do lots of work with schools and youth groups and community groups, kind of engaging people in lots of different topics, but all kind of around the two issues of creativity and curiosity and where they kind of come together and how we can, you know, inspire those kind of skills in, in young people. Um, and we many years ago, six years ago, we kind of were involved with other partners in the first science, uh, Festival of Science and Curiosity. And then since then, we've, we're now kind of contracted to deliver the festival. So the festival is a separate company, separate charity, um, but it's still basically us. <laughs> so that's really cool. I mean, so how, is that how it all kind of came together then? So um, it was two organisations, or was one evolved into the other? Is that how it's worked? Yeah, so so this was kind of before my time but in 2012 ignite ran a pop-up shop in the broadmarsh shopping center on the top floor um that was called 321 ignition and we kind of over took over the space for i think it was like six weeks we filled it with like workshops and activities for school groups but also open to the public and that was like a kind of first kind of spark of um kind of street level engagement with science and working with you know the libraries and Broadway partners like Broadway and the STEM ambassadors um, and the city council and then these kind of groups came together for that and then kind of wanted to you know saw the potential in in that as as kind of moving to not not one place based but based across lots of different places as a festival um, so yeah it's always been massively kind of partnership based you know working with across branch libraries and, and, and lots of other kind of everybody kind of throwing what they can to the festival to make it what it is basically okay, uh, yeah so, so how many years has it been running now because i'm a bit confused by the time is it 2012 or is it very new so so that that was kind of like early days i think there was like a fallow year somewhere my first festival was 20, 2017 um and then this one is officially the sixth official festival um in 2021 so it's a bit of a murky history that nobody's, everybody's forgotten, really, because everybody's so busy. But yeah, this is a sick one. So how long does it take to uh, like um, plan your festival? I mean, how long has that taken for the say yeah. this year? I mean, we usually start, we, ha we do the festival and then we're like, <sighs> and then we start thinking about it like a month later. Um, but a lot because a lot of the activities are delivered by academics and students and people from the universities, we kind of start 
putting pulling the program together when they come back in the autumn term so kind of september october we start to get some ideas um and we're always kind of fundraising as well throughout the year to kind of put projects together for the festival so it kind of yeah it obviously it kind of heats up a bit from like november time but it's kind of all year round really i i can um i helped organize some of the festivals on the arboretum over from a 2009 did that with the Pride Festival, the Pagan Pride Festival, the Green Festival, and so on. So yeah, I can certainly appreciate that feeling where it really is your your it's just nonstop business once it's uh, once it starts flowing, <laughs> and then before you know it, it's here, yeah. and it's all gone, and then you're like debrief. <laughs> exactly. The advantage that we have though is ours is in February, so we never plan anything to be outdoors, so we never have to worry about it raining <laughs> really whereas if you're running things in outdoor spaces in the summer there's always that anxiety of oh will it be a rubbish weather day um yeah so we have to consider that no that's actually that's a really good idea have your festival inside don't worry about the weather or the cold <laughs> yeah. one of the things i reached out to you um as well um as i said i guess for the podcast because i guess we were talking beforehand the uh, I was talking to the Astronomical Society of Mansfield and Sherwood, uh, what they've got organization-wise going on up there. And they were like, hey, you've got to get in contact with um, these guys. And then I realized that you, you and I were using the same like hashtag for Curious Knots. And from there, I was like, had to reach out to you. So I, I'm kind of glad you've taken the time out to have a quick conversation. However, it does appear your screen has frozen. <laughs> oh, no. I can see you. Okay. No, I think I think that's working. I think that's okay. Now you're good. Okay. <laughs> so, so yeah, as I was saying, I, I I was talking to the guys up there, and they were like, "Hey, you got to get in contact with them. They're a really good bunch of guys, and they've got some stuff going off up at the observatory." So, what kind of activities have you guys got lined up then this year? Yeah. So obviously, like this year has been completely different. Um, we managed to get our festival in right at the end we were like probably one of the only festivals that managed to go ahead in 2020 um so yeah we had to rethink a lot of things basically i mean usually we run events in libraries and shopping centers and spaces you know public spaces um like markets and and yeah those kind of things so obviously we we did we were holding on hope that we might be able to get back to doing some small things like that but in October, we just gave up on that. So it's all online, basically. Um, so we've got, like, um, in our in the half-term programme, we've got workshops and activities for families to do at home um, with very simple kind of household materials that you don't need to spend a lot of money on. We've got, yeah, the... Um, the Sherwood Observatory guys are doing like a YouTube, uh, like open dome kind of event where they'll be streaming, um, talking about um, this particular project that they're working on about the replacement for the Hubble telescope. Um, we've, one of the most exciting things is that we've never done before is we're working, we've made a five hour, five hours of television okay. um, that's going to be going out on Knotts TV. Sure. Um, which is super exciting because we've never done anything like that before. Um, and it's going to be called Woolerton Watch. Okay. Um, inspired by, obviously, BBC Spring Watch, which we were all watching a lot of in the first lockdown. Um, and we've been going out and filming lots of natural environments and wildlife across the county. Um, and it will be like, yeah, five hours of kind of the one show slash BBC Spring Watch slash A Up Knots. Um, 
for family kind of audiences um yeah so that's really exciting because that's like something we would have never have done in a normal year um so we've had to kind of figure out new ways of doing things um like everyone really i think that's a really interesting point is that so this the way that the lockdown has actually happened and has restricted so many things actually is it's made a lot of people think out of the box and uh, there's some really inventive ideas about what people have been getting up to yeah exactly um and yeah, we, we yeah, we could have set the bar lower for ourselves, but we were like, no, we're gonna do a whole week of television. We could have just done one program, but we've got we've got enough content and it's quite exciting. Um and we've got like um we've been working with um students from NTU to do the filming. Um we've got a media student who's gonna be working with us on the presenting. So yeah, so we're still kind of well, that's one of the things we like to do as a festival is provide opportunities for young people to kind of Experience things as well so yeah we've still been able to do a lot of that stuff so that's exciting yeah because i guess it, like you said there it, it really engages the the university the people can get involved and actually for them they get their, their experience out of it they get to develop their programs they get to develop their their what do they call it their portfolio and obviously for you you get yeah. hands-on um team who are really enthusiastic and involved yeah exactly and the same thing we've um so usually we have uh, we produce like a printed program. This year we've produced a magazine. Um, this was one of the things that we wanted to do. It was very very early on in kind of in in you know in the lock the first lockdown there was all this stuff about you know digital access and and families not being able to have kind of consistent and regular access in lots of parts of the country. So we wanted to produce something that was physical and could go home through schools or picked up at food banks. So we've made this magazine that's got lots of kind of articles and puzzles and all very accessible. Um, but that's been put together by three um, confetti students. So they're 16, 17 year olds and they've made this 24 page magazine for us. And it's so good. Um, and they've been uh, that's one, been one of the highlights of working with them, really, because they've been they're so creative and they're so good. Um, it's 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 like working with professionals, really. That, that it really is um it's a joy isn't it when you you can empower people and they're they're enthused as well and then you get you produce something that's actually quite magnificent or ideas that perhaps would never have been thought of or actioned and here we are and you've got so many creative things going on yeah so it's a win-win all around really isn't it exactly so yeah. tell me a bit more about the dates then because it's it, i guess it's running for half term right yeah, so we we usually run from Wednesday to Wednesday. So we have some time in the school school time. We have a weekend, and then we have some time in half term. But this year, because um, because of Bulletin Watch, and because we kind of we kind of wanted to do more with schools, we've extended. So it's actually running from Monday to Wednesday. So it's the eighth to the seventeenth. Um, so there's kind of like three, there's usually like three phases. So, you know, stuff in schools, stuff in city centre and then stuff out in communities. But this year it's obviously all online. Um, but we've got we've got kind of talks as well, panel discussions throughout that whole whole period too for kind of adults. So, um, yeah. All right. So so when you talk about, say, adults and kids, what can actually, what can they do? What can, what can people get involved and get their um, teeth into as it were? What, what science can they yeah, so um, some of our adult program, we, we kind of started this in earnest really last year. Um, 
and kind of on the model of like pint of science i don't know if you've ever come across that as a kind of science engagement no it's run, run by students from both universities and they 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 basically do a series of panel discussions in pubs um okay. and it's usually in may and it's like this international thing and it started in london i think but it's now spread it across the world and they they have these themed kind of talks so we've kind of taken that model um, and having kind of theme discussions, but really relevant issues for, for people. And it's interesting that this year, um, it's kind of, we've got a lot of talks that are kind of around health science and medicine, um, which I suppose, which kind of just happens organically because we just respond to what, what we've got speakers for basically. But um, it's kind of interesting that we've got, yeah, we've got a, a panel discussion about the future, future of medicine. We've got some scientists talking uh, from quotient sciences about what is a clinical trial obviously lots of myths around clinical trials and lots of kind of Sorry. misunderstandings of, of what what that is yeah. um, um, and we've got a talk a panel discussion around kind of broad sustainability issues as well um, so yeah kind of opportunity for for researchers to talk about what their research is, but also for people, to, you know, people to ask them questions and to have a discussion around those issues too. So that basically people can go to your website. You say like with, um, I guess that will be online this time. So can people, essentially anyone turn up to that? Do you have to get a ticket? How does that work? Yeah, so we, we're pre-registering. Um, obviously one of the things when you do this kind of stuff is you need data um, to help you evaluate and learn and get funding so yeah we're, we're doing everything's free um but yeah we're doing pre-bookings just via eventbrite and to help us kind of manage zoom and all that kind of stuff too so um yeah it's all if people go on our website they can find all the events and, and how to book and stuff all right so is there like is there like a maximum or a minimum for some of the talks or, or is there is it because there's going to be an engagement a q a is that yeah, we're going to see how it goes. Um, I don't know if you know how Zoom works, but there's like on the webinar version, you can you pay. If you pay more, you can have more people. Um, so we've gone the lower end and we'll see how many people sign up. Um, but some of the some of the workshops for, for children, we've um, we're going to be sending packs out. So we've got this workshop um, where people can make their own uh, bracelets that are kind of coded like DNA. Um, so they get a pack of beads and elastic and, and stuff in the post. Um, so we've only got a certain number of those. So that, that will only be 20 Zoom logins, so whether that's 20 families kind of thing. Um, but that's just because we've only got so many beads. <laughs> oh, it sounds really exciting, really exciting. So I mean, what, how has it been in previous years? I mean, what, what's the kind of attendance? What's the kind of feedback you guys get? Yeah, so last year was our biggest year and we had 10,000 people. And that's quite a conservative estimate. We're not, you know, we do, we're not inflating our figures because that's not helpful. Um, so yeah, that is quite a kind of conservative estimate on how many people we engaged with. Um, and it was great. And we started, and this is something we're continuing, but we started to kind of reach out of just so not just working in Nottingham City which has always been historically kind of our where our um you know where our partners are based and where our target communities are um and so we started to work with um 
with Inspire, the library service and work up in Mansfield and Kirkby, which was super exciting, um, you know, putting on events and these families have never been to anything like this before. Um, you know, we had 200 people in Kirkby Library in two hours. It was just bonkers. We had 1,500 people in the Rushcliffe Arena. Like, it was just unbelievable. And it's really sad that we can't, you know, build on that next year um, or this year. Um, um, so, yeah, we're kind of starting to build. So this year is all about kind of maintaining that interest and and, and we're, we're working with different district and boroughs to kind of get those magazines out into those families' hands and... Um, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it's it's an you know we won't be comparing the numbers for this year's festival to previous years. It's a complete anom anomaly, but um, it's an interesting kind of experiment, I guess, to see how it works and what doesn't work. And yeah, yeah, I, I guess like with lockdown, people uh, because they've been having to rethink. It's a bit like how do you structure your data? The kind of traditional models now almost don't work because we're having to behave differently as well. It's a uh, and that in itself is an interesting science about the, the psychology and the behavior and how it's affecting us and our mental health. And But at the same time, it's a bit like, I, th I was listening to a talk the other day uh, describing how the workplaces now will change with with now the ability for workplaces uh, with working at home. Potentially, you no longer have to move to where your work is. You can be in Cambridge, for instance, and work in Odium because that's where the office would be. Mm. You can do that remotely now. So it's actually it's going to open the job market up significantly. Uh, in a different way and the way that people interact with each other has changed it kind of the, the work life balance is uh, in a bit of flux right now and it, it's profoundly interesting mm. and for us it's like so usually in a normal time so you put on an evening event and it would start at like seven o'clock because you want people to you know finish work and go straight from work have you know or go home have some dinner get to the event and now it's like, what time do I start it? Like, are people finishing on the dot at five o'clock? Should I, when are people having that? You know, people have got families that they have to, you know, it's that's you, and there's no solution. You just have to pick a time and go with it, um, is what I think. Um, but yeah, that's kind of coming into and and people, you know, we've got we've got this activity that's kind of trying to target lunchtime, you know, people at lunchtime. Um, it's kind of like a, a brain tricks, you know, kind of a fun little 10 minute session while you're to get yourself away from you know what your normal work is okay. but what time do people have lunch like i don't know i you know it's different every day um yes. people are in all sorts of weird routines so um yeah it's yeah and the other thing is that you know these events that we're seeing i'm seeing people booking in from outside of nottingham um and, and you know the ability to have that kind of national and international reach is something that is we'd never have before yeah, that's what I was thinking because I guess now you can have interaction with people who are from further afield and they can also involve. In fact, I, I guess in many ways that if they might be running similar events in their own city potentially uh, with a bit of animals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which is great, but also like our thing is very much about it's, you know, it, we want to be platforming Nottingham-based researchers and we want to be engaging our local community. So it is, there's that obviously, which is great, but there's all this, this thing of like, well, how do we... You can't just go and you know put an event on in you know St Anne's and it will attract people there. So, so how do you reach those communities is is much kind of more complex than it would have been in previous years. Um, so, is it more about getting the community engaged from like um, 
I hate to use the term deprived areas or F or BME communities. Yeah, um, focus is. Yeah, we want to be. Yeah, we want to be. Um, you know, breaking down those barriers to what it means, what it means to be a scientist, and what it means to do science, and who can and who can't, and there's all this research around. Um, children having decided by the age of 11 whether or not that's you know something that's for them or not um and and trying to you know so that, a lot of our focus is around you know primary age and really kind of igniting that spark early on and and having a whole family experience so the whole family kind of gets it and is enthused by it and has this enjoyable positive experience of what science can be um so yeah that's definitely what we're trying to but also it's not just about you know the career it's not just about you know the pipeline it's also about generally science being amazing and wicked and like mind-blowing and exciting and, and and everybody should have the opportunity to to enjoy that um it shouldn't just be for people who think they understand things a bit better than everybody else it's for you know it's yeah, and I, you know, none of us who actually work on the core, you know, the core Ignite team, none of us are scientists at all. So, um, yeah, we kind of have that eyes wide open feel that I think a lot of um, non-scientists also have when they're kind of encountering amazing science topics. It is. I mean, it's uh, when you see that kind of eureka moment in a, in, a, in a child's eyes when they're happy and when they're engaged, or when you see that kind of like, oh. And you can you know that you help that happen, and they can go away and be incredibly engaged, and it can change an entire life. Just meeting one person, having one conversation, can literally change a person entirely. I mean, I was listening to a story. You know, I'm assuming you know who Neil deGrasse Tyson is. Mm -hmm. Okay, I was listening. I listening to his podcast quite often, Startup, and he was talking about when he was a, uh, I think I think he was 15, and uh, he was waiting at a bus stop, and Carl Sagan came to the bus stop. Um, and he asked him what he was doing, and uh, he'd asked him if he'd been in the science fair, and uh, he said um, he couldn't afford to go in. And that—that's actually when Carl said, "No, you're, you're coming in with me," and that—that that was his life-changing nice. moment. Um, and then, of yeah. course, perhaps the like, most famous educator, um, and then Carl Sagan obviously working to break down those barriers about getting people into science, and that was—that was powerful. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing is all of these. There are so many barriers that are to you know events that are just happening on university campuses. Well, lots of people in our city would never dream of going, you know, going over to the university campus or or feeling that that's a space that they can engage with. So there's a lot of stuff that we do, which is trying to you know take those. Well, the scientists should come to the. You know, they should be the ones who are moving. They're the ones who want to be engaging with people. They should be the ones that are coming out of university campus and into spaces where communities are. Um, so that's and then yeah, the free thing is massively. You know, that's just such a big barrier. Why would you make an event like to be paid for if it's for engaging communities? That's yeah. So yeah, we we always try and have free or or very low prices for our events. I've kind of gone down a similar kind of a line myself where um, I wanted there not to be a barrier in accessibility. So, so my own content, so as an example, say Accurious World, um, I it started really because I wanted to learn about uh, some topics about science. I wanted to learn. Uh, my first guest was a neuroscientist. I, I found that uh, through my own genetics, I, I, I potentially could, uh, my brain could degrade in the future with um, 
Parkinson's, etc. Mm-hmm. I was quite worried about that. I was like, how can I learn more? How can I learn to help protect myself? So my first guess was a neuroscientist. And then from from there, I kind of, uh, I have an interest in a broad variety of topics. So I literally started asking people to come on and come and talk. Um, and I've I've done like 30 now. I think this is like, this is like 33 uh, where I'm interviewing a variety of different people from geologists to astronomers to authors to artists, musicians, um, because I, I, I absorb this, but I, I want to engage and, and, and see that enlightenment in other people. And that, that inspires me to want to, um, to continue doing so. And uh, I, I love learning and I love to learn and to, to engage and educate others. And it, it's interesting that it's perhaps... Yeah. <laughs> And and that thing about just having a question and not, you know, and being part of finding out the answer is what is not, you know, ever obviously you can Google everything, but that thing about also it's about trust, isn't it? If people are speaking to a real human being and, and they're like smiling and they're they're in a space that's your you know, you have ownership over or you know, they look like you and they talk like you. That really breaks down, you know, that makes that trust so much more powerful and and for you to believe their answers and to, in, and to have, you know, a general invest, investment in what they're talking about. So, yeah, so that's, that's really cool. Yeah, we're all about questions and, and that, yeah, being curious. Absolutely, curious. I had a, I mean, I've, I spoke to so many, quite, so many different people recently. Um, and it's been really good to talk to yourself. And obviously, yeah, you, you're on the same journey as I am, I guess. So it's been pretty cool to engage with you. So. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's been wonderful. So if I wanted to get involved with uh, your organization, how, how can I do so? Yeah, so uh, o- online, obviously. Um, <laughs> our website is www.notsfosac.com. Uk. That's how we, our affectionate term for the festival is FOSAC. Um, and then the same on social media, Twitter, Facebook. We're actually on TikTok now. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not involved in that, but one of our, so we've got a social media intern from NTU and she was like, you need to be on TikTok. So we're on TikTok. Um, but all, all the others as well, LinkedIn and stuff too. Yeah, TikTok's a strange little place. And I, I, I drop in occasionally and I see these 30 second videos of usually people dancing to some song I've never heard of. And I'm like, I don't get this. Maybe I'm too old. <laughs> yeah, I don't have it because I waste too much time on other apps already. But I think it's, you know, it's um, that's where young people are. And, you know, video content is so powerful now. Um, I think it's kind of that's where we need to be and filming stuff and putting on TikTok. Um, but yeah, I'm feel much safer with Twitter, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, Twitter's a strange little place, actually. And <laughs> it's, I, I found that, um, so when Twitter used to be, it was 140 characters or whatever, it was like the same length of as, a, as a text. So how much communication could you put across in a text? And you kind of saw inventive ways how people were managing to write messages. And I thought that was really interesting. And now, of course, it's it's now, what, there's a 250 now you can write on there. Something and you can like do videos that. up to two and a half minutes. Um, it'd be interesting to see where they go as an organization next. Yeah, yeah, I expect, I, I, yeah, because obviously there's so much that you can say, but it's still small. So you agonize over which bits of information you would put in, which bits you would have you tagged the right people and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, 
I think you um, start taking words out and can I put them two words together to kind of get away with it? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's good fun. I, I think social media, I think, has, has taken over, I guess, normal media. You know, normal media appears to be coming a legacy now. It's, it's really hard for people to go home and watch the television. It's quite strange. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting for us, for, for like, in terms of promotion of, of our events. And I think in the... In the olden days, you know, coverage in the post, like Nottingham Post, or that would have been what we needed. But now we, you can do it so much more. You don't have to spend, you know, money, or you can just, you know, put things on Facebook, and that's where you, fa- you know, families are. Um, that's like a much more our priority than kind of like traditional media, which is, I guess, a big change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you said you're you're engaging with Knots TV as well. Um, so, and your projects there sound really interesting as well. So, actually, on that very note, you so you said you get five hours of television. So, is that like an is that kind of a nightly show? Then is that going to be? Did I hear yeah, that? Yeah. So it's going to be four till five. It was supposed to be once you know children coming home from school time, but now it's just exhausted homeschooling. Let's put the telly on time. Um, so yeah, Monday to Friday, it's going to be an hour a night okay. um, with, with suggestions for things that people can do in between. Um, and submit, you know, anything that they've done, and we'll we'll try and include it in the program the next day. Um, yeah. So, did you ever watch any science programs growing up? I mean, I not really. Which is, I suppose, like I watched things like QI, which I suppose is just kind of general knowledge stuff. Um, but pro- I mean, programs like David Attenborough and those kinds of things. Um, but no, my my kind of background is much more in like the arts and, and kind of history and geography and those kinds of, of topics. That's what my household, that's what oh. I grew up watching. Um, but so, yeah, no, I'm a bit of an on, on anomaly, really. No, it's like, I think my mother used to watch like, again, David Attenborough, Wildlife on One, Horizon. I used to watch like um, the kind of political documentaries on like Channel 4. They used to have like dispatches and so on. But like with science, I, I used to really like Brainiac. I don't know if you ever watched them. It was a kind of a, a kid's science. Yes, Brainiac. And then there was that, actually, the program that was called like How. Yeah, How To. Or like How To or something how? like that. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. Which I guess is at its, at its core is, you know, science is asking questions about how things work. And I guess that's, that was, yeah, that was a good program. So is, is that a potential for like what we could do next year? We we could make our own how-to for an entire week. That would be cool. Yeah, I have to. What, I bet there's loads of old episodes on YouTube. I bet there is, you know. Yeah. I guess even going back, there was like Tomorrow's World on BBC One as well that ran for like a long time, and uh, and that dropped off what two thousand. And there's there's enough sciencey shows, but there's not many much kind of science stuff with a presenter show you know where there actually is that kind of uh it's almost like a live element to it and that that doesn't happen anymore yeah yeah well it's interesting because there's a lot of stuff that has been kind of growing on on youtube in like science communication generally as a field but there's people like maddie mo i don't know if you've come across her she does like these these um and greg foot they do these like youtube videos of different science topics and they have lots of links with researchers and stuff they They've been doing lots of stuff in in lockdown, kind of helping. Because science has been one of the subjects that have just totally fallen off the radar for a lot of families. 
um because it's diff it feels difficult to do at home and it feels like if if you didn't enjoy science at, at school yourself it's difficult for, to kind of teach it with your children um whereas you know english and history and geography and art are much kind of I don't know, they just seem easier to do. Um, so, yeah, these kind of programmes are more important than ever, really, I think. And that's why we wanted to do a TV programme, because, um, again, lots of, you know, most people do have a television if they don't have, like, regular internet access or they've only got one kind of device in the house. Most people do have a television, so that's why we wanted to put something that was not... It's live-streamed as well, but it also has a place on kind of on the big screen television and people come around and watch it together kind of thing so that's a good idea it's a good idea yeah. so did you ever have like a favorite science teacher growing up well i guess for you maybe it was more history geography but is, it, is there yeah, any I, did always, I always did you know enjoy broadly lots of different subjects yeah we had some good science teachers I, yeah yeah we had a really cool physics teacher when i was at, yeah at school um but it's just i just decided you know you have to make decisions when you finish GCSEs and you decide which way you go um, quite really in an uninformed way. Um, I didn't have a lot of, we didn't have a lot of like careers stuff at my school. So I think that's, that's you know, one of the things we're doing, part of the festival, we've, we've got again, five days worth of Q and A sessions where um, that's kind of targeting secondary schools where we'll have, you know, today we're talking about, we're talking with some engineers and what it is that they do in their job. Um, and one of the people that we've got is um, a guy from NTU who he he's his background is in product design um, and kind of an arts background. Uh, but now he works on designing um, like prosthetic limbs and, and solutions for like um, medical kind of interventions in like in trauma in, in, in like emergency situations. But his background is he's an artist. Um, so I think there's that thing that you you make yeah you make a decision about what you want to do but at, at like 16 and and it kind of starts that you on a path but it doesn't mean that you can never get off it I suppose. That's um, true. I mean I I found that I guess I mean, I, just, I I ended up getting a job you know I I didn't go through the university states I really wanted to I mean my I, but I have an interest in, in history geography archaeology astronomy I wanted to do all those things. And I'm just going, so which one do I get to, I get to do? And, and I realised that, unfortunately, I had to pay the bills. So I didn't get to do any of them. Yeah. Uh, although my, my, my field of interest is all of them. So I keep a, I keep a broad um, foot in the, um, in the door, as it were, to those people and those, those topics. But in terms of a profession or an academia, I didn't follow those. Um, is, there, is, there, is there room really for people who are mature students? You know, oh, my get... God, exactly. I mean, that's what... I mean, that's what the Sherwood Observatory is. It was set up by amateur, you know, people who you know, like look stargazing, essentially. And now they've got this amazing, you know, it's might, you know, it'll turn into some this amazing planetarium in this space. And it's all, you know, completely initially at the first stage funded by people who just have an interest in it. Yeah. Um, want to do it, come together to do it. Um, so definitely, and there's a, there's this kind of movement as well that we, we're really like um, around citizen science, where, um, no, I mean, at its most basic, it's kind of people taking photos of, of snails and submitting them to researchers. But we're really interested in this idea that um, communities can come together and say, I think we should, I think we should get some research about this, you know. 
um, why are there more snails on the allotment this year? And working with researchers to find out the answers that they've initiated. Um, this idea that just regular people can become researchers, I think, um, is something that we think is could be really powerful. Um, so yeah, that's really that's really cool. So I guess we've been talking for what like forty minutes now. Should, should we draw this to a close here if you're comfortable? Yeah. <laughs> but no, so I really thank you very much for, for coming on the show. It's been really good to to talk to you and find out more about your organisation, what you guys have been up to. So before we go, do you want to reiterate your um, your social media and your websites and stuff and talk about uh, those things? Yep. So our website um, www.notsfosac.co.uk um, and on on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. We're at Not Fosac, and our hashtag is hashtag Curious Knots. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think I'll have to change my hashtag slightly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, now Curious World. So make sure you make sure you tag mine too. That's pretty cool. Definitely. But no, it's cool. It's been really good to talk to you. Thank you very much for you know taking the time out to come and have a chat. So it's good fun. It's also good publicity, and I wanted to reach out and learn what you guys were about, and hopefully you now know a bit what I'm about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's definitely carry on the conversation as well.